0: Sports Big Orange Podcast, I'm Charlie Burr, here with my co-host, A to Z sports writer Zach Reagan, wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you for listening to us, we talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast, and if you want to listen to it on the reg, go over to the A to Z sports podcast network feed on Apple, Spotify, and subscribe, when you subscribe, you won't miss an episode when we drop them on Mondays, then youtube.com Type into the search bar A to Z Sports and subscribe to the A to Z Sports Nashville uh, YouTube page. And then you can see the podcast there if you're not doing that already. That's what all that's what the cool kids do, frankly. Let's be honest. Listening is so last year. At Charlie underscore Burris at Zach T at A to Z Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach and I write and the social medias and all of that stuff. With that out of the way. you know what this week is Zach college football is back baby big time games with big time players Honolulu Hawaii Saturday night the great the lauded Vanderbilt Commodores will be playing uh and we'll all be rooting for Hawaii let's go Rainbow Warriors Football is back this week, Zach. Are you excited? Uh, the the long national wait for this time is finally coming to a close. How are you doing?
1: I feel like this Vanderbilt game is kind of like an NFL preseason game. We're all going to be excited that, that football is happening, college football is happening, a, a game that matters. And then about the second quarter, maybe not even that long, everybody's going to be like,
0: okay, this is Vanderbilt, and um, I'm already tired of this game.
1: <laughs> when is the real game? When do the real game start?
0: When it, when it gets to that third quarter and the score is 7-3, we're just like, why did I watch this? Why did I devote <laughs> two and a half hours of my life to this? Um, I may stay excited since it is sort of the first game. There is a number of games. A lot of them are kind of snoozers um, this first week. But that one is the first SEC game, if that's really what you want to consider it. I was down there. Um, I mentioned it on the podcast last week had my, my birthday was over the weekend, went to Nashville with the wife, um, and visited the Parthenon It was actually the first. I, I am a Nashville native born in Nashville, lived there, uh, and until we moved when I was young, um, and I lived in Knoxville since then, but, um, never in my life have I been to the Parthenon over on West end, the Parthenon replica that they have over there, went to that and it's right next to Vandy's football stadium and man, it is looking Small as ever. What a pathetic stadium they have over there. It's really sad. I can't believe they actually are in the SEC. And we need to kick them out. But uh, we'll just start the podcast that way. Let's go, Rainbow Warriors. Um, but a ton has happened for Tennessee uh, football this week. And we're going to have to talk about all that might end up being a long episode. We'll see. And unfortunately, so much optimism this offseason. Um it's kind of, it's seemed a little too good to be true. We can't, we can't forget this is Tennessee things happen. When does the other shoe drop? I w I wouldn't say that anything that happened this week is any kind of a tragedy. Both are just not ideal. That's how I would put it. Uh, the, the first of those is that, uh, brand new running back, Lynn J Dixon transfer from Clemson is no longer with the team. Um, He lasted, I think I saw somebody say he was with the team uh, a whole, extremely long story tenure of 18 days in Knoxville. (laughs) Um, Didn't make it too far. And uh, we'll talk about that. But then uh, a ton of people have been talking about, especially since last night, this being Monday, um, a ton of people have been talking about Brew McCoy's eligibility and the games that it seems like Southern California is playing with his eligibility. Uh, the the wide receiver transfer that Tennessee really needs this season and would be a huge add. I think um, their uh, USC is kind of dragging their feet in terms of if I don't. That's even being kind in terms of dragging their feet. We'll talk about that too. But let's start with this. This is something that happened in between last week's podcast and now. Um, it was two hours after the podcast last week. We talked about um, the commitment of Ricky Gibson, wide receiver, or sorry, uh, defensive back commit to Tennessee. And I mean, what was it? An hour later, if that, after we recorded the show, Tennessee got a commitment from a player who I think most people didn't think was coming to Tennessee, Jordan Matthews. um, and out of, out of Baton Rouge, I love this kid because of this commitment. We're a week late on this, obviously, so we won't dwell on it too long. Four-star player across the board, um, pretty, pretty, like highly sought after. I guess would be the right word. Um, the predictions were not for not in Tennessee's favor, and he <laughs> he brought out a box and opened it at his commitment. And it had like a light inside that like showed on him and they, they opened it and they were like, Oh, the light in the box. And then he, which was funny in itself. And then he pulled out a Tennessee hat. I'm going to Tennessee. His dad, I believe he said his dad is an LSU alum. Um, He did an interview where he was like, he said something like tiger stadium is cute, but I'm, I'm ready to go to Tennessee, something like that. And I was like, get, this is good. I like this kid. Nice pickup. Um. So that was exciting because it was it was really a surprise. Did you see this, Zach?
1: Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I like the way he committed. Kind of felt like a, an ode to Pulp Fiction with the briefcase that that they're carrying around in the movie, and you never really know what's inside of it. Kind of kind of gave me that vibe. But yeah, going to Baton Rouge, getting a four star kid that everybody thought was going to go play for the Longhorns and Steve Sarkeesian, and he kind of surprisingly picks Tennessee. It's at a position of need: cornerback, uh, tall kid, six one. That's, I mean, that's huge. You go to get a four star guy from Baton Rouge. I mean, that's not something that Tennessee does at all, ever. Not many schools do that, honestly. I mean, it's usually if they don't go to LSU, maybe it's Florida, maybe it's like AM or Texas, one of those, or Alabama. Like, that's usually pretty much it if, if, if a Baton Rouge kid doesn't go to, uh, to LSU. So that, that, that's huge. Maybe that maybe, uh, Tennessee can, uh, have a little pipeline there. I think they got some other players from, uh, Louisiana as well so that I mean that's it just shows that Josh Heupel can recruit uh anywhere and they're they're going and looking for for guys outside of the typical areas they're still hitting the state pretty hard but you know they're take, they're swinging taking their shot at, at some players like that that you wouldn't normally expect Tennessee to land
0: are you telling me Zach that some players are not interested in doing TikTok videos with Brian Kelly at LSU his <laughs> Brian Kelly and his family Down there at LSU. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't. I don't know how hard LSU was on this kid. I mean,
1: usually a four star from Baton Rouge, a number eight player in the state of Louisiana. That's a guy. I mean, if if Tennessee lost the number eight player in the state of Tennessee to LSU and it was a four star that was from Knoxville, I mean, fans would be losing their minds right now. I don't care how good Tennessee is, that would not fly. So again I don't know the situation down there at LSU or or if they were on this kid or what Brian Kelly's looking for
0: necessarily but I would be kind of ticked if I was an LSU fan I think number 15 cornerback in the class of 2023 rated as a 94 in the 2247 sports composite you know take that with the grain of salt and I believe they're they're actually about to reshuffle their recruiting rankings today um I think it's going to happen after we record but uh, we'll we'll see if anybody in Tennessee's class goes up the rankings, goes down. Uh, I think the ones that people will really be talking about will be like those quarterbacks at the top. We'll see if uh, Nico makes any movement. But yeah, I, I'm looking at two four seven. as recently as June seventeenth, um, there were predictions for uh, for Matthews to go to Texas. So and there were multiple predictions for him to go to Texas on two four seven sports by there quote-unquote insiders that they got over there. Um, so the the information that they heard was not too good, uh, it seems like. But that's awesome. Love that pickup. We just happened to record right before. We even had a conversation because um, Ricky Gibson committed to Tennessee last week. We were talking about that, and there were a lot of people after that commitment where they were like, oh, we're back to a three-star U, at Tennessee. And we were talking, you know, just like, what do you kind of expect from Josh Eibel that he's like – you know, you can kind of get these once in a blue moon five stars, but realistically, that's not the situation that Tennessee is in right now. They're not really. I, I'm not expecting Heupel to pick up and just recruit a ton of five stars, and then he turns right around, literally an hour later after we have that conversation, and gets an a unexpected four star that no one thought was going to come to Tennessee. So, yeah, shows what we know, I guess. Uh, but uh, had had to cover that quickly, and then let's get to. This episode of the A to Z Sports Big Orange podcast is brought to you by Superbook Sports. Football is back, and nobody is more excited than our friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they will match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if the bet wins or loses. Crazy offer. You don't have to be in Nashville or Knoxville to enjoy football this fall. Just visit SuperBook. Dot com or download the Superbook Tennessee app right now onto your phone and start getting in on all the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. And if you have a gambling problem, make sure you call 1-800-889-9789. Superbook.com and uh, find the app on the App Store. But uh, Zach, in the Superbook app, let's uh, talk briefly. Tennessee, over, under Eight wins is what they have here. Minus 110 on both sides. Uh I don't know how I'm feeling about this, but uh if you were a betting man over under eight wins, where are you going?
1: Man, that is a I feel like they set that line perfectly right there. Yeah, because it's tough. that is right on it, man.
0: You know, I
1: I I don't think they'll win less than eight. So I would uh I think the most likely outcome is probably a that uh, they win right at eight. Then, but uh, I would I would if I had to take either side, I'd I'd bet the over on that. I think, uh, I, especially this close to football season, is when I start feeling pretty optimistic about Tennessee right before the season starts. So you know, set that over under at eleven. I might still go over then. I don't know.
0: That's I mean, it's exactly what I was gonna say. I just every year. At this time, when it's so close to the season beginning, I'm just like, all right, well, we're going 15 to 0. is a national championship team. Bet the over. Just hit, put me down uh, for for that uh, that bet because I, you know, it's just too much optimism. I can't help myself. Uh, I gotta, I gotta go over eight um, for for me and uh, whatever the good folks think at home. That bet is there on SuperBook Sports. Again, download the app. Get in on the action. Help out uh, the boys here at uh, A to Z Sports. They uh, help them out because they help us out. It's uh, it's huge, their sponsorship with us. Again, Superbook.com or go to the App Store on uh, on your phone, on Google Play, Apple App Store, wherever fine apps are sold. Superbook Sports. Go there now uh, and download it. And now, let's get back to the show. The news from the last few days. Um, Lynn J. Dixon, this is just... If you listen to the analysis of this kid, it kind of tracks. It seems like with sort of his history, he's hopped around all over the place. He technically, in his transfer, committed to West Virginia first. And back in November, that didn't work out, however, <laughs> maybe similarly to this. Um, and then, uh, obviously, didn't really get a lot of play at Clemson either even though the play that he did have was pretty good and i think he he probably could have been a useful piece of tennessee even though he would have been he would have been down the uh the roster a little bit probably the third or fourth guy in the lineup in tennessee's uh running back room but uh did you see the the details here zach as i said i was kind of out of town i i missed this actually happening and had to look back on it but uh what uh what may or may not happen have happened here did he fall on a helmet what uh <laughs> what happened with lindjay man
1: yeah i don't i don't think there's really much to say about it on tennessee side of things from what i understand he was kind of interested in tennessee last fall he visited tennessee for a game and tennessee kind of decided to go another direction that they didn't really need him at the time and perhaps there was something to that maybe there was a uh, you know, I don't know, character concern or just his the path he had kind of taken to get to where he was. I, I'm not sure what gave Tennessee pause because he's obviously a talented player. We saw that with some of his numbers at Clemson, averaging six, seven yards a carry at times. So when Leneath Whitehead got uh, injured this summer and out for the year, Tennessee needs some depth. Lynn J. Dixon's still kind of looking around. Doesn't really work out at West Virginia. They gave him a shot again not really positive what happened during training camp or fall camp he he practiced a few times with Tennessee I think he might have sustained a, a bit of an injury and you know left the program like I, I don't know if he saw that he wasn't going to get the playing time that he wanted at Tennessee necessarily because you got J- Javari Smalls going to be the guy Tennessee's high on Jalen Wright really like Dylan Sampson as a, a true freshman you have also got Justin Williams Thomas who's seemingly improving in pass protection and could play a role this season, maybe in short yardage situations. You know, Dixon might have been the number five guy on the depth chart. I, I don't know. Or or maybe he was going to surprise everybody and play really well. You know, we'll never know now. I think the feeling was is that he wasn't going to be a huge factor. Now Tennessee's depth, again, beyond those four guys, they don't have a ton of depth. So that's a that's concerning if someone gets hurt. But if everyone stays healthy – you know, Tennessee should be fine. Jabari Small is going to get the bulk of the carries. They're going to work these other guys in too. But they stay healthy. It's it's not a big deal. You suffer four injuries to your running back, and suddenly, I don't know, you got a walk on, or somebody that you're not yep. counting on the to carry the ball, and that's definitely not ideal, especially the way Josh hypel's offense runs. You really need somebody in there that fully understands the offense, where they're supposed to be at all times. Uh, what Hendon is trying to do, where you need to pass protect, because that the offense is so such a rapid-fire offense. The tempo, you can't be out there wondering what you're supposed to be doing or, or it doesn't work at all. You're going to start having penalties on offense because people aren't lined up right. So it's really important that you have established guys in that room. So Again, hopefully they stay healthy. Uh,
0: otherwise, it, it could yeah. be a problem. You are one injury away from relying heavily on a sophomore who – had some quad issues in fall camp in Jalen Wright and a couple of, you know, just fresh to the school freshmen. Um, and that's a little daunting, but if you do stay healthy in that, that, uh, room remains good, that lineup is essentially just what it was before. I don't think before Lineth Whitehead went out, I don't think they were, the plans were not to have him play a ton Anyway, it seems like even with Lynn J. Dixon in the lineup, the plans were not to have him play a ton. Um, and I just, the, the details here are so scant, just looking at uh, what VolQuest wrote. And in my own personal opinion, VolQuest probably has the best information, not not to play favorite. I mean, we're, we're kind of outside that whole sphere, even though we, I guess we technically are Tennessee media in a sense. But um they probably have the best information just because Hubs, uh, technically, I mean, he like works for the Vol Network. He's really in the building a lot. They have a great connection, just been around for forever and a day over there. And they all all they put in their article was, after Dixon left West Virginia, Tennessee suffered a setback with the loss of Lineth Whitehead and chose to give Dixon another look, like you said. Um, he visited the last weekend of July before his anou- announcing his intentions. He practiced a handful of times before injuring an ankle. Tennessee will have four scholarship running backs remaining. <laughs> so they really didn't have a, a whole lot of details in terms of what exactly happened there. And I, I don't think it matters. Frankly, you're, you're kind of right back to where you started. And it's, it's a little bit of a tenuous situation. You have to have these guys stay healthy. will better be on that strength and conditioning coach, make sure he's doing a good job. Um, and, and hopefully he uh, everything stays good there. But it's not great. I kind of said that at the beginning. Are these things like devastating, horrific for Tennessee? Pro- no, I I don't think they are. But it's not ideal. Um, you wish you had the added depth there. And a guy who's been around college football as long as Dixon had been. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it might be a character issue. You, genuinely, you, you don't know. And if it was a character issue, honestly, you might be better off without him because you especially with sort of the culture that Hypo is building, you don't really want to have guys who are a distraction in the locker room. That can be bad all on its own. So, uh, you know, it is is what it is, but uh, before we move on to this Brew McCoy stuff, anything else with the the Lynn J. Dixon news Zach?
1: Yeah, I saw some comments about people uh, there were very few of these, but a few comments about okay, is this is this like a red flag on Hypo either Lin J leaving or taking a chance on him to begin with if there were character concerns, which I don't know if there were or not, not to to blast the kid because I don't know. I just don't know. But obviously that assumption is going to be made anytime you have a situation like this. Uh, You know, I I don't think it's a red flag at all. I mean, I think red flags are things that you see repetitively happening. There is going to be player movement always, especially with the transfer portal. You're going to take a chance on kids and it doesn't work out. You're managing a roster of over 100 kids you take a hundred random people and you don't really know what kind of situation you're going to inherit and you don't know, you know, how everybody's not going to respond the same way to the culture. Everybody's not going to be a fit. And sometimes you don't know that until uh, a player's on campus and you go through four or five practices with them and get to see them in day-to-day action and how they interact with everyone. So I think that would be a stretch to call anything like that, a red flag on Hypel. It was different with Butch Jones when you had, four and five players leaving the program every month it seemed like at one point or jeremy pruitt losing multiple assistants every offseason. it's when you start to see the same problems creeping in that it becomes a red flag and we just haven't seen that with josh heupel yet
0: i completely agree I, i'm not reading too much into it uh, that that type of stuff the, these types of things happening did become a real red flag with butch it the end but it was really because of the details that would come out about them after the fact where it was just nonsense just happening off the field I I just think in in this case we talked about it like they didn't want him initially the situation became they really needed some depth they pick him up and it just isn't the right fit take it at what it is and kind of go from there and and I'm also admittedly, with the way that things are going currently, I'm not digging for red flags. Back with Butch, people were digging for red flags. They, they were kind of like, all right, it's done with this guy. Let's start. You know, we got to find some stuff to see what's really going on since it's not going so hot on the football field. Um,
1: yeah, I don't think red flags even, even start until you start seeing a lack of results on the field. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, exactly. what's going wrong here? As long as everything's progressing, like, you're not, no is perfect. I mean, we've seen it, Alabama lose players plenty. Uh, we've seen not great situations at other programs, and those programs are, are healthy programs that are among the elite programs in the nation. It's just not always going to be the case. I mean, at Georgia took like Eric Gilbert uh, after he was at LSU, kind of a similar situation, and he's been... I can't. I don't know when he's at practice and when he's not at practice. I'm not sure what the status with him right now is, but I know he didn't. He didn't really play for them and was kind of back and forth. That's not an indictment of the coaching staff. I mean, that's just that player, one player's situation.
0: Exactly. These things happen, Um, and you can even have an unhealthy program that wins. Remember back to Urban Meyer at Florida (laughs) had literal murderers in his locker room and a whole bunch of other crap going on there. Um, and they were winning national championships. So, you know, there's, there's that I would say, don't read into it too much. Cause you're just, I, I don't think that it's worthwhile at, at this point. What is even the point of doing something, uh, like that, but let's, uh, move on now to the topic that everybody has kind of been talking about over the last day, um, and this is just another, just real Tennessee situation. And it it can't, nothing can ever be easy around here. We thought in this last year things have really taken a turn. You win two SEC championships in major sports. It's football is really looking up and it's great. And even with that, you just it's gotta be some nonsense. It just doesn't happen to other schools. It still has to happen to Tennessee. Uh, Brew McCoy, wide receiver transfer from Southern California, is, uh, is trying to get his eligibility to be able to play. Tennessee is doing their damnedest to get this kid on the football field for the 2022 season. He has to be cleared by the NCAA. But apparently this news has come out from reporting specifically, uh, I saw from, from Trey Wallace at, I guess he's now with, what, OutKick, Clay Travis's mm-hmm. website. Yeah. And then uh, also a, a post from Austin Price on uh, on VolQuest where essentially USC could just like sign a piece of paper that is, what was the exact name? An NPO, mm-hmm. a non-participation nope. opportunity yeah. form. And this kid would be good to go. But USC has refused to do it. So here, just without, Trey's reporting was great and kind of a little more extensive. But here's what Austin Price wrote. He he started out by saying, good reporting by Trey Wallace. USC obviously felt some pressure because of all Twitter and emails and so on and so forth. With that said, their statement is bathed in half-truth as they can still control his eligibility with a signature on a non-participation opportunity form. USC has indicated multiple times to both Tennessee and the family. They were going to do so, but now have refused to do it and have put this completely on the NCAA. Their statement was in support of Brew and to help with Tennessee's appeal, but they could have easily made this a one-stop shop by just signing the MPO. And so all of that came out, and Vol Twitter went nuts, as Vol Twitter does. And they should have, because this is absolute BS. This is ridiculous. Let this kid play college football. It's stupid. And so they're just lighting up USC, like signed to paper, signed to paper, signed to paper, just inundating USC. And the statement that Austin is referring to is this one from Southern California. They got so much pressure from fall <laughs> Twitter that they made an official statement from the USC, not just USC football Twitter account, the USC athletics Twitter account about a single transfer player. They came out and made a statement to defend themselves. And they said, USC has, consistent with NCAA rules, promptly and accurately responded to all requests from the University of Tennessee related to the eligibility of Brew McCoy. At no point since Brew entered the transfer portal in January have we objected to him being made immediately eligible to play at Tennessee. And that's a cute little way to say that. Uh, The issue of Brew's eligibility ultimately rests with the NCAA, and we wish him the best. This is USC going, we're not doing it. And we're just, we're washing our hands of the situation. Here you go. Well, isn't that just convenient? Congrats, USC. You're getting what you wanted by, you know, it could just be easy. You could be like decent people and just do it. But uh, I think this really tracks with Lincoln Riley. Does it not? This guy's a scumbag. Can we just say this? Lincoln Riley's a scumbag. Because he leaves Oklahoma high and dry for a giant sum of money, which I don't necessarily blame him for that. But the thing that makes him a scumbag is he's recruiting players as he goes out the door, trying to get them to go to USC. Uh, when Tennessee had a bunch of players transfer out in between Pruitt and Hypel, he's uh, technically against NCAA rules or just general, you know, sort of accepted behavior in college football. He's recruiting players behind closed doors to come to Oklahoma because, like, didn't, what, th- three. three players went to Oklahoma. Eric after- Gray, F-K. Wanya
1: Morris, and Keyshawn Lawrence, I believe.
0: Yeah, and so and now he's playing games at USC. um, And I maybe it doesn't come directly from him, but somebody over there is, and this is absurd. And as I said, just it can't just be easy, can it? It just can't. But uh, your your thoughts on this, Zach?
1: I mean, obviously, it's completely absurd if you can. And and look, we got two guys. We got Trey Wallace, who's done some really great reporting and broke a lot of stories over the last several years. And you got Austin Price. He kind of alluded to Quest is really the go-to uh, when it comes to Tennessee uh, stories getting broken, and uh, especially when it comes to just recruiting and uh, transfers and stuff like that. So you got you got to trust what both of those guys are saying. They have a good track record of being correct, and I don't think either would go on the record like this if they weren't. Accurate and in, insane that USC could sign this form. All this would be forgotten about. Brew McCoy would be playing against Ball State, no question. My first thought is that USC probably doesn't care if Brew McCoy is lining up for Tennessee this fall. Uh, Tennessee should not be a factor in anything that happens with USC this year. I don't think either team's making the playoff, so they don't have to worry about that. And really, if you do get that far, I don't think you're that worried about one wide receiver winning the game. It goes way beyond that. I think that USC just doesn't want to set a precedent with this. I don't, I think that, okay. What happens if a player transfers from USC to a, a team that, that they might actually play that season or obviously within the conference would be a little different. I'm sure. Okay. We might face this team in in, in January, two years from now or something like they might, They might run into a situation where they don't want a player to go to a team that they might have to play against. And I think they're afraid of setting the precedent now of, okay, you sign that for him, then they go to Tennessee. Why won't you sign this so this guy can go to Georgia or or Alabama or Clemson, somewhere like that, that USC might be worried about playing later in the season. That's To me, I think that's where it lies, but it's kind of weird how they've completely ignored that that is an avenue that could be taken like their statement that was released on Sunday night, which I think was pretty much the same statement they gave Trey Wallace, which was definitely in response to all the tweets they're getting from Tennessee fans. Every time I open Twitter up, there's a tweet to the USC uh, athletic director or somebody. Um, I, I think that's probably where that, that lies. I'm just shocked that they're not even acknowledging that as a possibility and giving some sort of explanation. I think people would understand. They they wouldn't be happy about it, but give some sort of explanation on why you're doing this. Tennessee fans may not agree. They likely won't agree. I won't agree because I think you should let him go, but at least they would have an explanation and there wouldn't be all this speculation
0: about it. The, The thing that makes me the most incensed in this is this little sentence. At no point. Since Brew entered the transfer portal in January, have we objected to him being made eligible to play at Tennessee? Okay, technically true. Sure. Yeah, that's nice. But yeah, you're not helping the kid out. And this makes me particularly angry. And this gets into a larger conversation that I don't necessarily want to have, but it goes along with this. I mean, the, the fact that kids can't just transfer and play is so stupid. Every other kid that is in college, you can hop around to any college you would like as long as they accept you and you can go there. You know, they they have to let you in and uh, you have to meet their requirements to go, but they don't go, you know, the school that you came from, if you go from Georgia to Tennessee as an engineering major, Georgia is not going, Wait, 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 we have to wait for this this body over here to tell you, you can go to class and get taught engineering. They can't do that. You just go to the other school and then you go to engineering classes and you get your degree later. That's all. But when it comes to college football, suddenly we had the the NCAA has to get involved. They have to sign off on it because who, who gives them that authority outside of us just agreeing that they are the leading body of the, college sports. And you know what, we need to stop agreeing to that. And thankfully some some news came out this week that there have been discussions um between some of the leaders of the big conferences uh about doing that. That would be good finally breaking away from the NCAA. So that ball is rolling in the right direction. But it's just so stupid. I don't necessarily blame USC of just going, "We're done with this. See you later, bye." And we're not worrying about it anymore. If Tennessee did that, yeah, I'd be like, "Mm, that's a little rude, but so what? Like if it was exactly reversed, a player going to USC from Tennessee um, and Tennessee just kind of goes like, just, it's the NCAA, the NCAA will do it. We're not going to, we're not going to intervene in that, but they'll just handle it. You know, I would go like "Mm, too bad. So sad. That's just the way that it works in college football. But this whole setup with the NCAA, I mean, this is what makes me mad is because USC could go, screw the NCAA, just let this kid play football. And that would be the ideal situation because it just is so stupid. Arbitrarily, oh, you can only transfer once. What? Why? Because they're, they're not employees, are they? You know, they don't. That's, you know, they didn't sign a, a non-compete. There's no nothing like that. I, as I said, it's a large conversation about like how the NCA needs to be abolished. <laughs> but, uh, I it just the whole thing just makes me ill because just let this kid play football. You're, you're messing with his future. Realistically speaking, if this kid has the skill to go to the NFL, and you're telling him no, you can't. the The, the avenue that you have to show off the scouts in the NFL, is to play college football. Well, you can't play college football, says the NCAA. And the NCAA, oh, it's for, we're here for the athletes. That's what we're, that's all we care about, is that it's definitely not the billions and billions of billions of dollars that these athletes make for us. No, it's nothing about that. We care, it's all about the athlete. No, it's not. It's not. It's not about the athletes at all, or else you just go, okay, he can play. Okay, done, here you go, because it's not about the athletes it's about control it's about making money off the backs of these players that don't get paid at least with the name image likeness stuff they get paid but even the ncaa is even coming after that pathetically now telling schools to rat on each other that's another thing that happened this week the ncaa apparently is like going to schools, sending them emails being like hey if you know about any untoward things happening in nil make sure you tell us about them I feel, uh, uh,
1: Shane Beamer is going to be the first one to tell on somebody. I'm just, he, <laughs> he has that look. He's, he's a tattletale for sure. Shane's a rat. <laughs> Him or Eli Drinkwitz. Both of those two are the ones.
0: <laughs> it. This, but it. God, this all just makes me so mad. I'm glad that Tennessee fans have been getting at at USC. It, I don't understand why USC has any bearing on
1: what Brumatoy does now. Once you leave a program, they should not have any sort of control over what your next move is. Like that's the most absurd thing to me. And it's been that way. And the one good thing there was multiple good things about Jeremy Pruitt, but the one thing that I really respected about him is that he never tried to block anybody. When he was Tennessee's head coach, Tennessee had several situations where they were waiting on the NCAA to clear players. Cade Mays, Aubrey Solomon, um Multiple times they had to wait on these waivers, and it was a it was a just the exact same situation with Bruce McCoy. But Pruitt, when a player transferred from Tennessee, I remember this with Mark Mark Will Osborne, who transferred to UNC Charlotte. Still, this was before the uh, the, the the transfer rules and stuff had changed a little bit. I think it's like 2018, 2019 maybe. You know, he wrote a letter to the NCAA to help expedite that process, and he did become immediately el- eligible and Purt's letter was part of the reason why like just help the kids out. Like if you're in coaching for the right reasons to make an impact on student athletes, uh, and not just the, the paycheck and the ego check, the ego striking your ego that comes with it, you got to do right by the kids and Lincoln Riley isn't USC. Isn't Tennessee typically has been on the right side of this. Uh, Tennessee fans should be proud about that because it's just the right thing to do. So I don't, I don't know why they still have control over McCoy, and I don't know why they're uh, not helping him move his career along to play at Tennessee, a place that is not going to impact USC. If he was transferring to Oregon or something, I would I would understand the gamesmanship that would happen with that. I still wouldn't love it because I'm, I'm like you. You should be able to go wherever you want to go because an engineering student can do that, so a football player should be able to do that as well, whether it's in the conference or not. I don't care if it's Cedric Tillman wanting to transfer to to LSU that, you know, out of nowhere, like, yeah, it would suck, but that he should be able to do that. Like, that's just the right thing to do.
0: College football to, to the NCAA college football is not a business. It's amateur until it becomes inconvenient for them to have it not be a business. Then all of a sudden it's a business, you know, that's, Oh, you're hurting my, my pocketbook. All right, well, it's a business now. Let's, you, you know, we're not going to let you have eligibility. But th- there's there are really just two sides to this. USC sh- should just sign this and make it easy. Also, USC shouldn't have to sign this. Because the NCAA should just get the heck out of the way. Shut up and go away. And this shouldn't be a problem. Like, it shouldn't it shouldn't be anybody's problem. It shouldn't be Tennessee's problem. It shouldn't be Bru McCoy's problem. It shouldn't be USC's problem. And, and that's... That's the dumbest part of the whole thing. It, this shouldn't even be. An issue. The kid should just be able to play college football, not to get on too high of a grandstand here, and not to let USC off the hook. Just sign the piece of paper. Stop being coy about this. We all know. We all know the situation. And this is why I kind of go like, "All right, Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's a scumbag," because we all know the situation. Everybody that's in power in college football hates the NCAA. The NCAA is not nothing but a nuisance. They essentially provide nothing like in college basketball, they give the structure of the NCAA tournament and things like that. And they actually bring some amount of value as far as that's as nice as I could be about the NCAA there. You know, they, it is actually the NCAA basketball tournament where the college football playoff is completely independent of the NCAA. That's why college football, high level college football officials can have the conversation of we're going to step away from the NCAA. Like we're done here. We're going to make our own rules and just have it be our own deal now, because the NCAA does not provide anything to us except being an annoyance when it comes to getting these players paid or, or you know, rules changes or anything like that that needs to be done. They are just an impediment in every single way. At every step of the process, we have to go to the NCAA, even though every everybody knows that they're just a, a useless organization that sits at the top of the hill thinking that they have some sort of, you know, value that they bring and that's that's the worst part about usc's because they know lincoln riley knows lincoln riley doesn't like the ncaa he doesn't go like oh the ncaa is some great austere organization that we need to respect and they'll handle this in the best way possible because again if the situation was reversed he would be incensed about it he would be pissed off and you know like i said tennessee fans would probably just be like too bad so sad it's not really our problem but at the end of the day, like, Tennessee, if it was reversed, Tennessee should just sign, sign the piece of paper because we all know that the NCAA sucks. Cut out the NCAA. Take them out of the equation at every single opportunity possible. And that's where I kind of go, come on, USC. We all know the NCAA sucks. Like, help us help us, help you. You know? And uh, I I could go on that for days, but that's, that's really... My take on the situation, it pisses me off to no end. This just, I, I feel bad. If he, if this kid misses time playing college football, I feel horrible for him. Just getting screwed over and, oh, we're here for the athletes. It's all about the athletes. No, it's not. It's not. Or else he would let him play. So stupid. But is there anything else, Zach, with this that you think we might need to discuss?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point. If, if he misses any, time because of this it would it would really be a tragedy not not so much for tennessee i mean i think they're gonna beat ball state regardless of if brew mccoy's on the field or not uh, I, I you know pittsburgh i don't know but you only get so many college football home games at neyland stadium when you play there brew is already not gonna have that many because he doesn't have as much eligibility as a as a true freshman coming in but you only get so many chances to run out of that tunnel and to run through the t and to experience that and to miss it, and especially at night. I mean, you, we haven't seen a lot of night games at Nealand over the years. So you got you got a Thursday night game, a national audience. It's going to be a big spectacle, and you know, Brewer wants to be a part of that. Any student athlete, that's why you. That's what you dream of. You know that that is what you. That's what you want to do. Uh, that's why you play the game. And to take that, to take just one week of that from a kid for no reason like there's no logical reason that this should be the case there's no reason that makes sense that he should not be eligible at all for reasons that we've we've already discussed here it's just silly and it it really does come down to the the usc doesn't want to set a precedent because they don't want to be asked to do this in the future they just don't want to be involved they just leave us out of it totally that's kind of their uh take on this and their approach on this and the ncaa we're well aware of how they operate they want all the power and they don't want to give in and if they do give in like with the Cade may situation they're gonna wait until into the season or something just so you know that they they impacted it a little bit and they made you kind of sweat it out a bit so it's just unfortunate for everybody involved uh mostly really unfortunate for brew mccoy hopefully it gets Ironed out this week. I like that Tennessee fans are putting some pressure on USC. Um, we all know we all know what they USC can do. We all know that they can end this and, and make Brew McCoy eligible to play at Tennessee. It's all on them. Yeah, if it if you leave it up to the NCAA, who knows when it happens? But hopefully this week, maybe USC will succumb to the pressure and sign the form that needs to be signed. I Picture it just sitting on. the athletic director's desk right now just kind of stuff on it he's he's just kind of pushed it aside but hopefully that gets done and we won't have to worry about this anymore
0: i mean from the ncaa it always feels vindictive and of course they would never admit to that but in any of these situations i'm not saying just even specifically towards tennessee although it has happened multiple times in the last few years you mentioned Cade mays there it happened with euros plasic euros missed an entire half of a season Mm -hmm. Because he couldn't get his eligibility clear with the NCAA. I mean, why? Why? I think on the NCAA's part, I, I can't imagine that it is a whole lot more than a stroke of a pen on their end. Maybe maybe a stack of forms. You know, I like the last what couple of years. What are they worried
1: about? Nobody nobody even understands the waiver process or what the hell anybody's even asking for a no. waiver for or what's being waived. Nobody's gonna ask questions if they're like, Oh, Bruno McCoy's eligible. College football friends fans, or fans right. around the country be like, yeah, okay, cool, cool,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you know I I get the argument that that like it should oh it'll be the the wild west everybody will transfer everywhere all the time. First of all, I don't agree because if your football program is well run and the players are respected, they're not gonna want to just leave your program willy nilly. Like yeah, maybe quarterbacks. Oh look will at only, Joe Milton at
1: Tennessee, he could have. Yeah. You think yeah. some team would not take his arm? I mean, exactly. it may not be another SEC team, but somebody would take that guy.
0: Yeah, like to some extent. Yeah, players are going to hop all over. They're already doing it with the one opportunity to transfer. But, yeah, as long as your program is well run, kids aren't just going to hop out constantly. They're going to want to play. They're going to want to, again, there, there's motivation to stay, to show their talent. To play in the SEC, to be able to play on, you know, national TV in front of NFL scouts in the biggest stadiums on the biggest stages in college football. Like there's there's plenty of motivation where they're not just gonna be like, all right, my college career was at LSU and Georgia and Mississippi State and you know, because I think in the same way, you know, when you go to a job interview, I think everybody who's had a job knows that on your resume, it does not look good if you hop around to jobs every six months. Employers don't like to see that because they go like, well, he's just going to do that to me, you know, and it's going to be the same thing in college football. I think to a certain extent, this kind of what happened with Lynn J. Dixon. Mm-hmm. You saw some signs and you go like, eh, I don't know about this guy. And and ultimately they they pick him up sort of out of necessity and it just doesn't work out. And so that and, and again, if you want it to be if you want them to have a non-compete where they can't transfer, uh, pay them. Pay these players yeah, yeah. like employees. It's that simple. Give them yep. give them money. And then they you can get them under a, a non compete, you know, and a contract. <sighs> I think all this stuff is going to self-correct
1: at some point. I mean, the transfer portal, we're, we're already starting to see it a little bit. I think that might be part of the reason why Joe Milton didn't bounce was because look at how many players get left without a place to go. They're the gonna portal. go you better you about have to know where you're going. You know, if you're a really talented guy that everybody wants, obviously you're going to have a place to go, but we've seen some pretty decent players kind of get stuck without a home because the numbers don't work out or they just don't, programs don't necessarily need that at that time. So I think as that happens, we'll see this self-correct a bit. Same thing with the NIL money. It's going to take a couple of years, but you're going to stop seeing recruits outside the top uh, echelon really getting a lot of money because you don't have so many busts like it it happens more than in the nfl with draft picks i mean you're gonna have four-star guys that don't pan out and you've given this guy five hundred thousand dollars and you've got no return on it at all like people with money aren't gonna make bad investments over and over and over so i think all this stuff is going to self-correct it's just going to take a little bit of time and hopefully that will lessen a little bit of the, the drama that we we see through the offseason i agree because
0: it's i'm just done with it I they're going to have a hard time getting the NCAA out of college basketball. I actually talked to Barrett Slee about that when he was on a few weeks ago, you know, he was kind of like, well, they, they just get such a massive payday with the NCAA tournament and things like that. And they actually do provide value in college basketball, but in college football right now, it's over. It's over. Be done with the NCAA move on. And it's, you know, and I know that it's going to be like they have the discussions now. It probably gets decided like next year or the year after. And then it's like in 2030, will they'll step away. Just do it. Just we know it's over. It's over. We don't need them. It's over. <sighs> maybe one day, Zach, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe one day the headache will be over. The long national nightmare of the NCAA can be. Uh, I picture
1: you away uh, with. like popping a bottle of champagne when it finally oh. does happen, because you're as long as you've railed against the NCAA, it'll be like a, a celebration for Charlie whenever that does finally happen.
0: It it has been a long journey, uh, but I remember more and more people have been coming over to to the. I was going to say the dark side. It's not the dark side. We're on the right side of history here, folks. Mm-hmm. Come on over because I remember
1: the is the evil
0: empire and yeah
1: the emperor and all that. Yeah.
0: They're they're the Sith, they're the the evil. Um, and you know, I've been making these rants for as long as I've been doing this, 20 what 2014. (laughs) Oh while. Um, and I remember, you know, like being on being on the radio with Swain and those guys, and like people would call on and be like, No, it doesn't need to be a, a business and uh, that's the player. Like it's all about like you getting the exposure to go to the NFL and all of this stuff. And I, those people are slowly coming over, you know, just the more you see of how this is really working out with like players finally getting money and things like that. It's, I think it's convincing people. And this is just another thing. If you are not convinced in the, the NCAA is the ultimate evil in college sports right now. Hello, somebody. This Brew McCoy situation, can we just... I think everybody, it's almost a shame that USC is giving themselves as a focal point of this whole thing. They could just sign this and cut out the NCAA. But let's not forget the NCAA in this equation. Yes, USC is annoying. They should just sign this thing. But they should again, they shouldn't have to sign it. The NCAA should get the heck out of the way and shut up and go away and not be a a factor.
1: I mean, if USC would have just signed it To begin with, nobody would have ever really known that that happened because nobody, again, nobody understands this whole process to begin with. It's not just talking about Jeremy Pruitt writing that letter to UNC Charlotte or to the NCAA so Osborne could play at UNC Charlotte. We have no idea what that letter said. We have no idea how necessary that letter was, what that letter actually accomplished, if it swayed the NCAA or if it was something official like this that Tennessee had to submit. Nobody knows. Nobody is going to go look back at that situation and say, Well, you did this here, so you got to do this moving forward, or you're, it's a bad look. Like, nobody, <laughs> we have no clue what the NCAA does in those buildings. We have no idea nobody what does. these forms are, <laughs> the <laughs> rules on the waiver, none of this stuff. No, nobody knows. So, USC, you, you made this a bigger deal than you had to. So now it's very public, and you are going to have to either say no we're not gonna let this kid play at Tennessee because we're not gonna sign this form because we're just bad people or you're gonna have to do it with all this attention on you and everybody's gonna know it so either way USC's made the wrong move here
0: absolutely it's uh it just is so done and I I'll say of uh of Jeremy Pruitt um I don't have almost anything nice to say about him he was an idiot who had no idea what he was doing, but I do actually crazily. I do actually think he cared about the players. I, I actually do think that um, the, the evidence yeah, does suggest that. Yeah. Cause you, we said it when, when the, the notice of uh, allegations came out, we Pruitt was trying to help these kids, you know, like a lot of kids come from impoverished backgrounds and, and just, or or they're just kids trying to just make it. And this money is huge t- for them. Uh, that they can get out of playing college sports. I think he genuinely um, does you know, want to help. So there's my single nice thing I will say about Jeremy Pruitt uh, just because it was sort of a part of that conversation. Um, now, Zach, I, I told you we might talk about something uh, at the end that we're not going to talk about because I wanted to bring up something else um, that you wrote about. At com, Go there, read everything that Zach writes. Now, this was the headline that you wrote, Zach. And oh, we, God, there's no telling what. We <laughs> we're, what where are we going? Okay. You said, there's evidence that Vols QB Hinden Hooker might be the next Joe Burrow. That's a big claim, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I saw yeah. that this morning and I kind of went, hmm, okay. I read it, I read what you wrote, uh, and it's interesting. It to, it actually is. I think uh, I saw some of the Facebook comments on it. People were like, "This is clickbaity yeah. nonsense. Please stop doing this." Um, which may be a fair, <laughs> fair criticism, uh, but you wrote this. Please explain yourself.
1: Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I'm not saying that Hendon Hooker will be. I'm saying there's evidence that he could be. No, I know that's. Could be pretty broad, but there's a lot of parallels. One with with their careers, right? Like Hendon Hooker started at Virginia Tech. Nobody really knew about him. Joe Burrow started at Ohio State. Nobody knew about him outside of Ohio State, and I'm guessing many Ohio State fans didn't really even know about him if they weren't locked into the recruiting world. Neither one of them find much success there. They hit the transfer portal. Hooker did start some at Virginia Tech, but didn't you know? Didn't see it. I don't think he ever played a full season. Um, they both transfer. Uh, to the SEC, Joe Burrow is not the favorite to win the quarterback battle at LSU in 2018. Uh, you've got uh, uh, McMillan there, I believe, uh, for, for LSU. Miles Brennan, both those guys were kind of viewed as the front runners. Same as Hooker at Tennessee, it's kind of an afterthought. It, it's it's uh it's it's Harrison Bailey. It's it's Joe Milton that's coming in. You know, maybe one of those guys win the job. Brian Maurer was still a factor back then, who had some. Uh, Connection there with with Josh Heupel, so uh, Burrow wins the battle, and it's kind of a controversy at LSU. Lots of people mad, teammates mad. Ed Ogeron has to have like a team meeting. I mean, it was almost kind of blew up, but luckily Burrow's a great leader, was able to bring the team together. Hooker, kind of not quite the same. There's no controversy, but Joe Milton wins the job. Hendon Hooker takes the job after he gets hurt against Pittsburgh. Kind of never looks back. You look at their numbers. Joe Burrow's numbers at LSU in 2018, Hendon Hooker's numbers at at Tennessee in his first season in 2021, they're very similar. I mean, 2,945 passing yards for Hooker, 2,894 for Joe Burrow. They both had pretty good touchdown interception rates. Hooker's was better, Burrow 16 to to 5 there. Burrow's completion percentage was nowhere close to Hooker's. It was 57 compared to 68 for Hendon Hooker, so he's a little bit further ahead there. But they, they both play in these offenses that are they're high-scoring, high-octane. Burrow's offense changed his senior year with Joe Brady coming in, kind of getting kids the ball in space, utilizing your playmakers better. They had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, which Tennessee we don't think has that right now. But Jamar Chase did not have a big year in, in 2018. I believe he was a true freshman then. Justin Jefferson wasn't the Justin Jefferson that we know now. They kind of blew up that season. Uh, really Cedric Tillman has better numbers than than those guys did uh going into that 2019 season so you know maybe he is a Jamar Chase type player maybe not I, I don't know yet but there's a lot of parallels there with the way that things worked out the type of offense they're stepping into their journeys to get to where they were what they did in their first seasons there while they're kind of learning the offense learning the conference learning the opponents and all that stuff and and really becoming comfortable at your new program so I think there's a lot of parallels there. Um, Joe Burrow wasn't on the Heisman uh, radar entering the 2019 season, really. Hooker is a little bit, and I think that's just, just Tennessee. They they hype up some Tennessee quarterbacks. We've seen it. I mean, we saw some Jarrett Garantano Heisman hype early on at one point. Um, again, it would be I – don't, I don't think Hendon Hooker's going to go out there and throw for 5,600 yards and 60 touchdowns, but he could be this Joe Burrow-type guy that, really burst onto the national scene. Maybe he's got over 4,000 passing yards. He's a little bit more of a runner than Joe Burrow uh, was, even though Burrow's very athletic. So he could put up a lot of yards on the on the ground, kind of, you know, make those numbers look a little better. So I don't necessarily think Hendon Hooker's going to come and take over the world and become the biggest star in the entire sport this season. But look, their journeys are similar. So why not, if Joe Burrow did it, who was relatively unknown, why can't Hendon Hooker do that same thing? And they're both kind of similar leaders as well. You know, Jer Burrow isn't an in-your-face guy. He doesn't say a whole lot, but when he does talk, people listen. And we've heard that about Hendon Hooker, how he's kind of a quiet reserve leader, but we've seen more and more of these practice clips where he's out there. I mean, he's leading. He's getting guys to go through drills again. He's holding them to a certain standard, so he does have those strong leadership abilities, which is something I think – sets burrow apart Just burrows not again burrows not the most physically gifted quarterback out there patrick mahomes has a better arm josh allen's more athletic aaron Rodgers is more accurate uh, th- they all have the uh, physical skills that are better than burrows but burrow has that just elite leadership ability it kind of sets him apart
0: i don't totally know how i feel about this the parallels are kind of eerie. It is interesting. I, you know, I guess I didn't realize how not good Burrow's first season was. He really went from extremely average to the Heisman winning national championship winning absolute all-star. Um, And you're not totally sure why. Um, I also agree that Hooker has really showed signs that he's a great leader and kind of a a quiet sort of servant leader type um, to get kind of, you know, self-help book E there. Um, he just has to show me more in terms of technique. Of being like a pure passing quarterback, like, burrow was making passes that season where you looked and you just went that's an nfl quarterback and i think anybody that's watched college football linked, you kind of know what i'm talking about you see some guys who play and you just go that dude's making nfl throws because the nfl is such a different animal and and i actually i was kind of skeptical of burrow he had that but i also kind of went like his set of wide receivers were really excellent with Jamar Chase and those guys. Like he really had a leg up in terms of dudes that were playing around him. They ended up kind of having a, a magical season with that running back, too. Like, just every every part of it was good. And then he went to the NFL and has been super impressive and obviously went to the Super Bowl. Um, I yeah, from Hooker, the the pure quarterback technique just has to get better. <laughs> like, and maybe, maybe that's this off season. Maybe he's forming that. I mean, I, I'll put it like this. I am not expecting Hindenooker to become Joe Burrow, but I am expecting him to take steps forward and hopefully be more accurate, be more judicious. Also maybe take more chances with the football. Cause he was very cautious with the football last year. The, the offense in general, is kind of formulated to not put the football in danger very often and that's purposeful and Heupel's even talked about it he is all about protecting the football um just because turnovers in the way that Tennessee plays with how you know how many opportunities you give the defense a turnover is just devastating um and so I I see the parallels that is extremely interesting and I didn't realize how how similar they were it's a huge comparison though (laughs) That's really it. I, you know, it, it really made me raise my eyebrows when I saw. It. I was like, "Oh boy, you're really, you're you're getting bold with this one, Zach." <laughs> this is. Uh... <laughs> I mean, if
1: you if you look though, and and there's more to it. I mean, they're both very similar size, 6'4", yeah. two twenty, similar stature. But if you looked at the yards per attempt, right? Hooker averaged nine point seven yards per attempt this season last season threw the ball 303 times which he will throw the ball more this year just because he'll start two extra games assuming he stays healthy maybe tennessee throws the ball more too this year i don't know but uh joe burrow's yards per attempt in that 5600 yard passing season was 10.8 so hookers was 9.7 last year you're right in that Area really the only thing is throw the ball more. I mean, if Hendon Hooker throws the ball two hundred more times this season, which I don't think is gonna be quite that, it's you know many pass attempts because Josh Heupel tends to run the ball more than LSU probably ran the ball in 2019. Though they did run the ball quite a bit with with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, really, it just comes down to more volume as far as more passes. I mean, you because you've done everything else, you got to touch down the interception ratio. It's basically the exact same. Burrow was 60 to 6 in 2019. Hooker was 31 to 3 last year. So it's just cut in half. So I feel like that part of it is very similar. It just comes down to volume and how much is Tennessee going to throw the ball? Are they going to run more efficiently this season where more drives end in than touchdowns, which less punts allows your offense more opportunities to throw the ball more? I mean, you're, you're running more plays than anybody else in the country. There's no reason you shouldn't run uh, more pass plays than almost anybody else in the country outside of like Mississippi State and some of those teams that just never run the ball. Um, Again, I'm not predicting that this is what's going to happen. I'm just saying, look, there's a lot of parallels there. hookers followed the same path that Burrow kind of followed. Like, why can't that be the next step in his evolution? Maybe not that extreme to where you have the greatest season ever by a college football quarterback. I mean, I don't think anybody can predict that for any quarterback because it's just so comes from out of nowhere often but i i don't see why he can't take a huge step forward this being his second year in this offense and really being comfortable in it
0: we shall see i it's an interesting point i mean i will 100 percent agree the parallels are pretty fascinating um hadn't thought about it how did you even notice that
1: i don't remember i was looking for you know, we, we cover NFL teams, right? Obviously, yeah. So I, I do a lot of Cincinnati Bengals stuff. I write about Joe Burrow a lot. And I think I was just looking for for what him and Chase had done together in college. And I was looking back at uh, the entire LSU stats for 2019, which I've looked at a lot. I was trying to get the numbers exact. And and I think I went back even to 2018 to check something. And I noticed Joe Burrow's numbers. And uh, I've wrote down Hendon Hooker's stat line from last season so many times that I know he threw for two thousand nine hundred and forty-five yards. Like that's just ingrained in my brain at this point because I wrote it down so many times. And I saw Joe Burrow's yardage total, and I was like, "Well, that's kind of interesting. That's very, very close to uh to Hooker." So it just kind of took off from there. Hmm. Well, and t- this morning go. was the morning to to do it. I I did. I I've been sitting on it for like four days thinking about it, and I was like,
0: "Yeah, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna do it." Like I'm. You got. I'm it Got the it. response. From what I saw, it hadn't, when I looked at it, it hadn't been up on the social medias too long, but it got the responses that I was expecting. You know, I read that headline, I was like, oh boy. Oh, I'm, yeah. (laughs) The the boomers are going to, they're going to love this one. Uh, And they, you know, they were, uh, they were a little, I think uh, I saw somebody say that these clickbait articles should be outlawed (laughs) in one of those comments. Yes. It's not. Clickbait Let's go to Congress and outlaw clickbait
1: the, articles. In the sense that I don't think people really fully understand what clickbait is. Just because you don't agree with something doesn't make it clickbait. Clickbait is when it's something isn't intentionally misleading, misleading to the point where it has nothing to do with the title. You know, I've, 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 I've towed that line before. Trust me, and I may have even went over the line at times. But you know, you try not to. But this this whole business is is a strange thing where you're creating content and you want people to read it but you have to make it inviting to want make people want to read it and yeah as a consumer of uh, sports material and columns and stuff of teams i follow i understand what it takes for me to want to read what somebody wrote and there's a lot of times where there's a lot of good content that we don't read because it doesn't have good packaging on it and that's it's one of those things that's kind of difficult about this at times
0: it's a little bit of a tightrope walk, but it this, is. It is. I I would put it this way: this was far more substantive than I may have thought it was going to be when I clicked on it. And I know you; you don't. You're not a huge clickbait guy. I think people might think that sometimes with the way that we structure headlines and things like that. That's very purposeful. Um, but I mean, realistically, your stuff is is good. Um, I'll and- tell you
1: just one: if anybody's listening, my. When I write something, um, obviously there's 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 analytics and metrics that go into every single thing that we do, and we have people that keep up with that uh, constantly throughout the day and this and that. But they, my goal with anything is just to create a conversation, kind of like what we're having right now. You know, it's just yeah, that's what sports topics and sports writing on the internet. If it's not just a straight report of information, like coming from an Adam Schefter or somebody like that, that's breaking news all the time if it's content like from the athletic or stuff that we're just consuming for our own personal enjoyment, I just want to start a conversation. I want people to talk about an idea and whether whichever side of that you follow on is fine. Like I if, if somebody does not think that Hendon Hooker has a chance to be the next Joe Burrow, that's fine. Like I, I respect that. I mean, that's the whole point of it. Everybody has an opinion and nobody's opinion is wrong and everybody has a reason for that opinion. So you know i respect everybody's opinion out there and that's kind of my purpose of what i do and what
0: i what i try to do you're a little kinder than me i don't respect everybody's opinion. some people have horrible opinions well uh, i do
1: disagree with plenty of opinions but i re- <laughs> i respect their uh they can have that you know they can have whatever opinion they want we all can
0: well that one in, in particular i i was almost i was i would say i was impressed by how substantive it actually was where I went like, oof, Zach might be stretching on this one. And I read (laughs) it and I was like, ah, no, that's weird. That's pretty crazy that they have that many similarities. It's interesting. Um, so go to a to Z sports.com and read stuff that Zach writes. That's the show though. I am Charlie Burris. That is Zach Regan. thank you so much to everybody for listening. A to Z sports.com. Obviously at a to Z sports on the social medias, uh, at Charlie bros at Zach TNT, A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple Spotify and go to YouTube. And uh, th- this leads us into an exciting new element of the show here. Go to YouTube.com, type in A to Z Sports, watch the entire podcast, and then you'll be able to see this fancy new graphic that we have to end the show with. Uh the the graphics guys uh made it Jake. He's a homie coming through with the fancy graphics to end the show here. Um, I'm gonna put that up, and when we put that up, there will be videos there for you to click on, and then a subscribe button for the A to Z Sports uh, channel. And honestly, why don't you just click all three? Be a bro, click all three, and uh, and help out the boys. Um, oh, and go. We we got to do this ad read after Zach, but Superbook Sports. Go uh, download uh, the Superbook Sports app. Also. Uh, that support them cuz they support us and uh i think that's yeah, it get those bets in
1: for uh tennessee's 2022 season before things uh get kicked off here in less than 2 weeks it is almost here
0: so many good bets for right now Le- leading up to the season you know you you can uh uh get those those futures for national championship winners obviously you should choose tennessee i think that's a a given if you really feel that way uh but plenty plenty of great bets this week for this week's upcoming games uh the obviously vandy Hawaii who Northwestern hey. Nebraska uh right. Connecticut UN, Utah state
1: UNC are they playing this weekend i feel like
0: uh let's see Wyoming Illinois Charlotte Florida Atlantic North Texas UTEP Nevada New Mexico State that is that's it for what is up Mm. on uh on superbook for this week. Um but as I mentioned, yeah, they got those national championship bets, conference championship bets, regular season win bets. It's all there. Superbook sports. Uh go uh give them a download and and get betting there. Uh that's it for us. Thanks so much again for listening. Charlie Burris, Zach Reagan. We'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys
1: later you mm-hmm.